We had a really good podcast with Nick O'Sullivan. Uh, I'm here with Jason Harper. He sat in for Deb for this episode, which, man, I appreciate you doing that. No doubt. This one's a doozy. It's a, a doozy for sure. Well, and you would know because you're, you're well connected to uh, this guy. So, um, man, that's the first time I've really – I read the article about Nick and his story, but hearing it from his mouth, completely different. Yeah, I think that um, when – you know, there's a couple times where I had to kind of pull back from the mic because I'm reliving some of the different moments that he was talking about and found myself even getting a little choked up, you know, yeah, because of the sure. impact that, that I know it had on him. But when he starts talking about going into jail and knowing that I'd seen him at the pinnacle of not only high school, but his athletic career. Right. And then, you know, it's dripping through his fingers as he's being, you know, thumbprinted at jail. I mean, that's just real talk. And then for him to, you know, to him to answer your questions and pull out of the dive and to finish it with such strong conviction of where he's at now. I mean, this is a story for the ages. This is adversity meets resilience oh. meets tenacity. Chicken soup for the soul meets holiday, Hallmark movie exactly, meets America's that. most wanted. I mean, it's just an all around type. It's a, it's a, it's a, it really is a crazy story, man. Well, you know what I like too, that he said was making that connection between jumping from the high school level to the college level. Because we think about, okay, it's going to be more challenging and who you're going to deal with. But the, I think the amount of pressure that he was feeling going from that level and then the different emotions and feelings and psychological elements to that, I mean, it kind of plays into his, it plays a huge part of his story. And it's like, man, there's a lot of things in that, in what he says and in his story that I think as a coach, you really need to be aware of. So I think he gave coaches that are going to listen to this yeah. probably 20 to 25 tools that they could add into their toolbox to be, more, paper. to be more effective and more significant. Um, in the lives of your students that will ultimately lead to success in competition, of which he drilled down on a lot about competition. So it's a doozy. Thank you, man. I'm honored to be able to sit in on it. Listen, I might take it back, Josh. I might be willing to come around more often. Hey, man, I told you the first time. You have the open door, open door policy. If you ever have Nick O'Sullivan back, I'll come again. Boom. Sounds good, man. Enjoy this next episode. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, you ready? When he goes beyond the scoreboard, the scoreboard coaches, I want you to have the type of voice, type of voice that your athletes will hear decades later and still recognize the leadership that you hold in their life, in their life, in their life. Get this thing, get this thing started. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and uh, Deb is not with me today, but instead we have a special co-host, and that is Jason Harper, Character Combine founder. What's up, Jay? Hi, Josh. I promised I'd never do this again. I not didn't want to bring that up. But not yeah. because I don't like it. <laughs> I do love like it. Us. I do love it. I love you. I love listening to well, these. Thank you. Um, they're amazing. I, I look forward to it every week. I just um, appreciate that. I love how you're building it. and I want it to be your brand and you carry it. And so that's why I just said I'll kind of hang out today. But you have one of my best friends here today. Which that's that's the main reason we're here. Can you want to you want to intro him? I would. Um, you all as coaches and even players of influence that are about to hear this, if you're a parent, uh, you need to tune in for the next 30 minutes because you're about to hear uh, a story that could come out of the pages of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Mm -hmm. um, Nick O'Sullivan <laughs> um, is a dear friend of mine. His family, mom, dad, brother, and sister have treated me like family. I met Nick in 2010 when he was a sophomore at Del Oro. I was doing some character coaching out there. And uh, from day one, he just captured my heart. Uh, not because he always did things right, but because but because he always wanted to do things right. And um, I love the fact that whatever he did, did he did it at full speed. Uh, when Your he guy. my kind of guy, kind of guy. And when he was a success, it was brilliant. And when it was love not it. so much success, it was 
brilliant. There you go. <laughs> and so uh, you're about to hear his story. Uh, Nick has emerged uh, as one who has a PhD in adversity, mm. literally, and also um, has had a meteoric rise into the obstacle course racing world, specifically the Spartan race, where he's now a nationally recognized elite racer. So with no further ado, wow. ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Josh Takamoto and Nick O'Sullivan. I thought you were saying I was a Spartan racer. I'm like, absolutely not. That's Nick. <laughs> not hey, yet. Not Thanks cool. for having me, guys. Hey, man, we appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we definitely we want to get into all the Spartan stuff uh, soon. But um, you played it, like Jay said, you played at Del- Delaware High School. Yeah. And then you played some in college. A little bit. Um, where'd you go to college? Uh, Linfield College. It's a Division three school up in Oregon. Okay. Um, great college. Great football program. One of the top in the nation consecutively. Um yeah, it was a great area. Um, I went up there to play football. Okay. Um, and I started off, I went up as a running back, ended up transitioning into the safety position. Uh, I got injured the summer before my sophomore year. Okay. And that kind of limited me to special teams. Um, and that's kind of where I started to venture more into the party scene. Mm, I'd say this too, Nick. You know, we, I mentioned it just briefly. I met you at Del Oro. Mm. You had a phenomenal high school career. You were yeah. always one of the top athletes, not only on your team, but in the area. Mm-hmm. Talk just a little bit about the difference between the grind of being at a top tier program like Del Oro that was preparing you for college, but even as much as you could have been prepared at high school, was there still a different jumping up to college? Oh, definitely. I think that Coach Taylor and Del Oro definitely helped prepare us a little better with having to watch film and having. Uh, zero block, which we got there an hour before class even started to get workout and conditioning done. Um, that definitely gave us like a jump start into the whole college football experience. Um, but it wasn't nearly um, as much of a grind as it is. I mean, you're waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go work out, and then you've got meetings, and then you've got classes, then you got more meetings, and then you've got practice, you have film, and then you have more class, and then you've got study hall. Um, it it's a load well that's got to be it's got to be i never, i didn't play any college athletics mm-hmm. i just like to watch them but i think for a lot of those athletes having that kind of load is difficult and it kind of weighs on you especially when you see your buddies mm-hmm. just having a good time hanging out and then you know you're going to practice you're going to film you're going to team meetings i mean that, that's got to weigh on you at a certain point right yeah it certainly does um it's pretty stressful i mean not knowing what you're walking into as a freshman and then you're quickly just thrown into it um, and then you're making friends that are just hanging out, having a good time at all times, you know, enjoying that college experience. And it gets to a point where you kind of want to start enjoying that as well. Um, Did the Saturday game um, match your desire for the Friday night game that you had in high school? I don't think anything will ever compare to a Friday night lights where you're mm, playing in front of your hometown. You're with all your buddies that you grew up with. And when you're one of, like, the top athletes, you know that they all know you. Right. Um, and then when you get to the college level and you're playing on Saturday, you know, you're playing with a lot of other guys that are the top guys in their areas, and you're playing in front of a lot of people that you don't know. You definitely don't have that same that feeling that you get when you're playing on a Friday Night Lights. Right. That makes sense. Again, I would not know, but it, it looks cool from the sidelines. Yeah. So, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, I, I read an article about you in SpartanLife.com. Mm-hmm. Great article, and I'm going to post the link in the show notes for this episode. Um, but you've been very public about um, your battle with alcohol. And, and yeah. like you had mentioned, you know, the, the party scene starts to become appealing because 
the feeling of a Saturday day game is not the same as a Friday night game. And so mm -hmm. it, it seems like based on that article, you started kind of veering off more into that direction. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's also important to touch on that. I fell in love with alcohol at a very young age. I started drinking when I was about 12 or so, whatever old I was in seventh grade. And my love for alcohol just kind of took off from there. And I have a very addictive personality. Mm. And I think that's what kind of helped drive that love. Um, but yeah, when I was playing on Saturday nights or Saturdays actually, and mm -hmm. I wasn't getting that, that like rewarding, that like, I love being out here feeling. Everybody knows me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I just drifted to more into, I just wanted to drift more into the whole party scene, um, where I knew I was having like, I was having a great time there. Yeah. Um, it was a lot more freeing. Um, you're able to kind of do what you want when you want. Um, and I was just having, yeah, the time of my life doing it. Now, did it did it reach a point where it just became too much, where it just it kind of became overwhelming for your life? It definitely did when you're, you know, drinking right after practice, before study hall, or you're showing up to the game sometimes a little hungover from the Friday night party. Um, yeah, I had a real problem. What kind of toll did it take you? I mean, did you stay at Linfield? Tell the listener what happened from Linfield. I, I know you didn't finish all four years at Linfield. Mm -hmm. Where'd you transfer to? So I didn't finish up at Linfield. My love for wanting to party kind of took over what I wanted to do. And so I stopped playing football and I transferred to a community college down in San Luis Obispo with hopes of transferring into Cal Poly and go to school there. Um, but I essentially let my desire, my love for wanting to party more than play football take over. And so that's what led my decision to move. Um, and then once I landed in San Luis Obispo, it was just going to school, not knowing what to do, and just drinking with my friends and having a good time. Got it. Now I feel like I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I, mm -hmm. I did read the article, and so I kind of ha I kind of know how this plays out. But there was a, a specific moment for you, right? That yeah. kind of changed your whole perspective, or, or kind of kind of came to the realization. It's like you know what I need to I need to make some changes. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? So yeah, the huge wake up call that happened to me was on. Uh, September 16th on 2016, hmm. I was driving home from a country, well, I was at a country concert with a bunch of my buddies. I mean, I had a plan going into this whole thing too. I was going to drive there. Um, my friend was going to meet us there and she was going to drive us back. So right when I got there, I just got blacked out drunk mm -hmm. and my friend ended up not coming to the concert. And so after it was done, I was like, all right, I got this. I'm invincible. Mm -hmm. And so it's an I athlete mentality, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing could stop me. Right. And so after the concert, I drove one of my buddies home, and then my other buddy who was staying with me at my house, we decided to go to the bar and drink some more, for whatever reason. And his car is at my house, and so he should have been with me, but for whatever reason, he was not. And I mm. decided I wanted to go get a burrito from Alberto's. Um, and so I hopped in my truck, started driving, was going to get on the freeway and was going about 50 miles an hour or so, not paying attention. And there's a abandoned car on the side and I ended up hitting that, rolling mm. my truck a couple times and a lot of right things happened in a very wrong situation, um, hmm. to where yeah. I was facing multiple years in prison if my buddy was with me if he had a scratch, if I was injured, if there's somebody in that car. Mm. Um, wow. I'm lucky to not, yeah, one, be dead, 
sure. two that nobody else is dead and three that nobody else was there with me or else we would wow. not be having this conversation right now It'd be a whole nother story wow. do you remember what it was like when the when the cops showed up um the first thing i remember was coming to and there's the cabin was just filled with smoke uh the firemen were already there busting out the back window and i crawled out and just that oh shit what was going through your mind right now because you obviously know you're drunk i mean are you kicking immediately into cover-up mode Um, are you just going man i'm lucky to be alive i gotta own this so unfortunately that wasn't my first rodeo that was actually my third and at that point there's no trying to hide anything. I just owned up to mm. everything I was doing. He asked me if I have a drink, and I told him yes. I told him how much, and I was just super compliant with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they yeah. take you in, and you're riding in. I'm, I know that the proper protocols is they cuff you, put you in the back of the car. You're in Placer County. They take you to Auburn. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. So we had to look. I was pretty scratched up, so the first stop, they took me to the hospital, and I was there for about an hour or so, and then they kind of fixed me up, and then it was a long ride up to Auburn, and just sitting in the back of that cop car, and it was just super quiet. He didn't want to talk to me, and I didn't want to talk to him, (laughs) and then the whole booking process, which takes, it feels like a million years. You're just sitting in that holding cell, and there's about five other people in there, and it just smells like poop, and... You know, they throw you the paper lunches, but it has like a sandwich, a bag of chips, an apple, and a milk in there. And it's freezing cold. They don't get, they give you like one blanket, but it's not obviously right, a that's, blanket. Obviously, <clears throat> right, right, that's like, like yeah. primal conditions. But yeah. knowing you, mm-hmm. you still had a big hurdle that you had to call home. Mm. Yeah, I knew that because I was living at home at the time, and I knew they were going to be wondering where I was at. And so. It was, that happened on a, was that a Friday or Saturday night? I think it was a Friday night. And then went through the whole day sitting in the waiting cell and then ended up calling home and they're actually at a football game. My dad was a coach for Delaware. My mom took pictures and <clears throat> called my mom because I didn't want to necessarily call my dad at the time. And she was at the game and just that, are you okay? And told her I was all right. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. Yeah. I was called pretty much closely after that. Uh, again, being oh, interesting. Not, only, not only a coach to Nick, but a family friend <clears throat> and one who's been in mentoring relationships with him and others sure. like him. But um, I remember getting a call on the Sunday morning because by the time he gets home, it's Saturday late. He just wants to sleep. Sunday morning, wakes up. His mom calls me and my phone. I don't normally have it on me during a Sunday type uh, church service, but right. um, it buzzed. I saw it was her number, so I called back, thinking it was a bit odd, and that's where she said, "Hey, this is what's happened to Nick." Hmm. I remember my stomach just dropping because sure, I was I aware bet. of the other two, right. and I was like, "How many times can you cheat death?" You know, and I was worried right. that other people were involved, and thankfully, those details, as Nick described, had not happened that way. And so, she said, "What? What is your thoughts?" I said, "As soon as I'm done here, I'm on my way. I can be there by two, two p.m." And so. I just asked that mom and dad not tell him I was coming because I didn't want him to have time to put up a guard or a veneer. Mm, and then the other thing I ask is that if when I did come in, they would just leave us alone in the living room where he had been laying on the couch. So that's important. But for me, um, going in, a lot of people think you're just going to get on somebody and just, you know, 
whatever, but as someone who's struggled with sobriety and really embraced the value of trying to live a life of, of clean and sober, um, I know that shame is crippling. And one thing that drives people back into drinking more or even into darker doldrums is when someone who does not drink or does not have that disease sure. wants to beat you up a little bit. And so for me, I was walking in with more of a heart of empathy and to say, hey, Nick, listen, this doesn't define you. Um, what we do after this um, is going to really determine the character of who you are. And I know the character. I've seen it since you were a young man. It's still in you, but we got to hit a reset. And, um, and I told him about my own journey um, that I've had mm, with, with okay. the addiction nature that I have and the, and the disease of alcoholism that I've had since I was young as well. Not as young as Nick, but young. And, um, and so I remember my heart almost beating through my chest when I walked in because I knew that this was a moment that was going to possibly really help him or really cause him to re you know, repel from me. Right. And that's... That's interesting because we've, you know, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about coaches and their relationships with athletes. And uh, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing you guys do some of those, you know, strength and conditioning. So I've seen you bark at the athletes before. I'm sure he's barked at you before in the weight room. And so taking that and saying, okay, this is not the weight room, though. This is a human being. This is a real life. This is not an athlete that I'm barking at. And you completely shifting the mentality and saying, no, 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 I need to approach this with empathy and concern and compassion is huge. And I think, I think coaches need to understand that. It's, it's a bigger, that's why we do this, it's bigger than the game. So when you have a moment like that and a family of an athlete reaches out to you, you have to be able to switch that or turn, you know, change that mindset and from coach to, hey, I'm trying to help out another human being. And so I think that's huge. I, th I hope coaches heard what you just said. Well, and I hope coaches to listen in the privacy, their own car, their own office, their own home. Yeah. I hope they're willing to put on the, the truth glasses for a moment yeah. and realize that many of them tie one on after Friday night games. Mm. And they too are very capable of driving in a situation that they might be on, be beyond the limit. And so for Absolutely. me, mm -hmm. I remember immense amounts of failure in my own life, my mm -hmm. own walk. And so here I see Nick laying on the couch as a person whose redeeming value is full throttle. Right. I see a lot of me in him, although he's much better looking and much better built and a much better I would, athlete. I would agree on all three of those things. <laughs> um, I love you, Jay. But yeah, I, I agree. get you. And, um, <laughs> but seeing a lot of his personality yeah. traits, that addictive nature is that whatever sure. we do is full throttle. Mm -hmm. You relate. I'm looking at him laying on the couch going, by the grace of God, that's me when I'm 21, 22 years old. So I just remember really gently walking across the living room to sit down next to him right. and really calculating what the first few words out of my mouth were going to be. Right. That's huge. What was your reaction when you saw him? It was, I want to say relief, but at the same time, felt like I was a disappointment. And it feels like that's one of the hardest things as like an athlete is that feeling of disappointment. Yeah. And the first time this happened to me, you know, it, I felt like it was just like a freak accident. And then when it happened the second time, I just got hit with that overwhelming feel of disappointment. To, it got to the point where I like tried to take my own life at, for mm. a minute, and then um, this third time it was just like, oh shit. Yeah. And so, when I saw him, I just felt like the ultimate disappointer. Um, Interesting. And then when he just opened up to me, um, I didn't, I didn't feel like a disappointment. Yeah, that's huge. And I, again, that's another thing that coaches need to understand. I think, you know, you have a lot of coaches that are so worried about the X's and O's mm -hmm. and they're not concerned about the human being or the athlete. That vulnerability goes a long way. And obviously for you, it did. Because like you said, initially, even with you, Jay, with you doing all that stuff to prevent him from immediately putting the walls up or having a, a 30, 45 minute drive, you know, time to put the walls up, 
you surprised him and there was still a little bit of that wall that said hey i feel like a disappointment to him but as soon as you showed that vulnerability it it just changed the game completely well i think that that's what empathy does empathy says hey i'm no better than he is i just didn't get caught Mm -hmm. and um and so um i also you know my mind as i'm seeing him feeling and knowing what that shame feels like being a fixer (laughs) my mind's already shifting into pragmatics like going okay there's going to be possible jail time exposure there's going to be possible loss of license there's going to be massive sacrifices that are going to have to be made and how is it that through that can i still be of service to him if he wants me to or if he needs me to right that's huge and i think so it's this is always the most in my opinion the most interesting part of someone's story Mm -hmm. especially when it's it's such an interesting story like you it's you know you're doing a lot of great stuff now, but it's that, that grinding mm-hmm. in between, right? Between the, the moment you had your wake-up call, like you said, versus where you're at now. What did that whole process look like? What kind of, what kind of battles and grinds did you go through? Well, as Jason said, when he, he came over and he's like, so what are you going to do now? And that point started, the, like, it felt like the longest, <laughs> longest <laughs> workout grind of my life oh. where it, I was in – doing my legal battle where I was lucky that my case wasn't a felony. Um, it was a misdemeanor for, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. I don't know how right, that was right. a thing. Wow. Um, and so I lost my license. I was still working, still going to school. So I had to figure out how to drive to Sac State, had to figure out how to get to work. Um, How'd you do that? I would get a ride to the train station where I would take the train all the way down to Sac State, get back on, and then get picked up. Um, and then a couple times, like two times a week, yeah, I'd hook a ride. Oh, you picked him up. <laughs> a couple times a week. Interesting. A, okay. ride back but that Jason. was, for me, that was the best thing ever for me. I looked forward to it. Yeah. Um, my daughter was attending Sac State, she still is, but she was there. So some days I would go early mm-hmm. and I would see her and then I would wrap it up right as I knew Nick was getting out of class. And and he would oftentimes just thank me and thank me and apologize for what, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? These 45 minute drives home, yeah. this, is the, this is the incubator of your greatness, Nick. This is where it's gonna come down to it because this cl- car is closed. There's nobody in here but you and me. Yep. And the first probably couple weeks, he's very quiet. Sure. And he's quiet by nature. Um, but I just, you know, I was so honored to be around him. Sure. I was so honored just to have time with him that he trusted me to include me in the circle. Right. To say, hey, th- you know, this is something. And, and, and I loved it. I loved being with him. You know, because I got to see, I had a front row seat to watching his destiny really take root. That's awesome. And I would, I would encourage anybody who's mentoring anybody, that man, we've talked about it before, that drive time is probably, in my opinion, and I told people this before, the most valuable time a mentor has with a mentee and someone who's going through, if you're, if you're going through this battle like that and you're having these conversations, drive time's the best time because you're stuck. If he had to put his earbuds in, I'd have thrown his phone out the window. <laughs> oh, yeah, he wouldn't. No, but I do think it was, that was like a very important you know, point in my life because I'm having all these internal battles with myself and then to be able to kind of just open up with Jason who was in similar situation as I was and hear his input and hear him talk about me and what he thinks of me. Um, it really helped change how I thought about myself and what I wanted to do. Okay. So what, what steps did you take after that? So you guys obviously had conversations, which is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. What about, 
because I and again I I'll be honest I don't have a, a ton of knowledge about addiction or anything like that but what, the one thing that I feel is pretty consistent with um, people who talk about their addiction is that you almost need to shift your addictive personality towards something that's more positive. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Well, I think that's why I got involved with ultra running. Right, exactly. You know, I feel like because, maybe I heard that from you. Right, I just, I knew that, you know, before I started ultra running, I, I shifted my addiction to food. Right. And when I ballooned up to 330 pounds, I'm like, that's not working. Sure. But I remember, like, from my own life going, man, there's something cathartic about exertion because the, yeah. the chemicals of happiness are dopamine, endorphins, adrenals, and those can only be produced on the level of happiness when there's exertion. So in talking to Nick and looking at him as being this, this incredible athletic specimen, I'm like, dude, you got the world by the tail. What do you want to be an ultimate fighter? What do you want to do? Right. And he, yeah. and he chose something that I think is, is, is remarkable because it takes a lot of guts to, to do what he's doing. And it's not just going out and, you know, run a little race. Sure. I've been to some of his races and I'm just in awe as one who's ran some distance. Yeah. I'm out there in awe of all these athletes that he's competing against. It's, it's insane. And every person that's out there doing what he does, you know, is remarkable. I'm going to interrupt real quick. So he mentioned the, the UFC fighter. Did that even cross your mind? Did you think about it? I had, so in high school, I was taking uh, some classes or not some classes, but I was training with some Muay Thai. Okay. Uh, with the gym. Lord's Gym, actually, out of mm -hmm. Noseville. Nice. And so that's something that I wanted to do just so I can, you know, kick some dude's ass in parties. <laughs> but I haven't pushed no, him. No, I work. liked it. I haven't yeah. pushed it. One of our conversations yeah. investigated and kind of I drilled in a little bit um, to see if he would do some type of uh, special warfare operations because he's wired that way. And um, in that dialogue, knowing that I had access to people that have been down that path, sure. um, he came to a combine. I introduced him to someone that he was able to – Get an earful for, from. Oh, I wonder who that was. <laughs> uh, Goggins. Oh, that's I was, interesting. <laughs> I said, "Hey, David, this is my friend Nick. That's I think we had to push him down to Coronado." Gee, that's definitely an earful for sure. That was probably the most intense, like ten minutes. <laughs> Man, even his Instagram videos, his one minutes, like that might be the most intense thing I hear all day. Really well, imagine that Instagram video. What he knows is going out public. Right. Yeah. Imagine what he's doing <laughs> in a, pu a public behind closed doors one with a guy one. who says, "You know, I think I might want to go to Buds." Yeah. Yeah, you're a brave man <laughs> to even have that conversation. I kind of said, hey, dude, look at you meet this guy. <laughs> Here you go. Just, but, but I yeah, say yeah. that because that's the kind of person he is. Sure. Whatever he's going to – I've met probably three, maybe four. I just met another one out of 15 years of, of doing strength and conditioning and sports performance. I've met maybe three or four people who I would literally make a bid for or I would make a, um, a petition for or I would vouch for. Wow. Think about the number of athletes that have come through. And I've only met three or four. Nick would be at the top of that ladder. Right. But that wasn't his passion. So his passion is to, to you know, go climb over things and, like, do whatever. It, explain the like, whole dog on like jump thing. over a fire and stuff like that? So uh, hold on. Did, so did, is this something you wanted to do? And at that point, it's like, you know what? I want to do this. Or did it, like, did you guys have that conversation? And then, you you know, we're just kind of looking around. And then you found it. Initially, it was just something to do to keep my mind off of everything that was going on. Gotcha. I know we talked about needing to find something or kind of, uh, how do I want to say this? Find a way to like redirect your, he's, he's wired for competition. Com yeah. yeah, yeah well, that's that's exactly what it. I'm trying to say. Like I was yeah, yeah. wired for competition from being like an athlete from when I could start walking till when I was what, like 19, 20 years old. Like that's all I knew was like sure. sports. Right. And so I needed to get back into that and to kind of help me mentally. And so that's what I did. And I remember, Starting to train for my very first one, I had this 
I don't remember what it was called around my ankle, but it was a little monitor thing that if you had <laughs> like any like bit of alcohol in your system, that thing would ring and the probation would be on your ass in like five minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I remember okay. training with that on. And then when I did my jail time, I got locked up for about, was it 25-ish days, 25, 30, so about a month. Okay. Um, I had Jason give me some, like, workouts to do. So we are like, nickel and diamond. I was doing just, like, a ton of pull-ups, push-ups, so five, five push-ups, ten sit-ups, repeat, yeah. and do it for a few hours. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so we call them yeah, nickels yeah. and dimes. And Makes I gave him, like, a, a Mike Murphy workout called the Murph. You can just sure. basically do push-ups, sit-ups, and squats minus the run. Right. But I remember driving him, work. driving him to drop him off. Right. So for, for him to start his sentence. Yeah. And saying, man, I was so confident. It, it, you would think it would be opposite of that because yeah. you're taking him. And I'm like, dude, this is your moment, mm. dude. You have going. You're going to jail right now to be set free. Mm -hmm. Wow. And right now, Wait, say that again. You're going to jail right now to be set free because you can't drink wow. in here. That's crazy. And you got 24/7 to do nickels and dimes, nickels <laughs> and dimes, nickels and dimes. And I remember when he got out, he was just he was just I ripped. Shredded, he was ripped. He's eating peanut butter and jelly and ripped. <laughs> but I remember. I think jail was probably one of the best things that happened to me because the first yeah. two times when I got in trouble, I didn't serve any time. I got off pretty damn easy and mm -hmm. so I feel like that fueled my fire having to go to jail for about a month was really a huge wake-up call but it also got my mind right where I was I was kind of going in with like a game plan all right I'm gonna get myself together I'm gonna work out and I'm gonna be better when I get out but you know waking up at five in the morning every single morning eating breakfast and then working out and then eating lunch, and then working out again, eating dinner, and then lights out, and then just doing that for about 30 days. And then also getting away just from everybody. I think I called home once, twice, um, but that time was really just for me to get my mind right, and I, I needed those days. Oh, for sure, and so what was, when you got out, what was that feel? I mean, that's gotta be just an incredible feeling. Yeah, it was. It was good. I had my dad pick me up five in the morning and we went to breakfast and we got to talk a little bit and it essentially came down to, all right, let's get this shit together and let's go there attack go. life. And so for those that don't know, like my dad was like a coach for me since I was like a little kid. Mm. Um, and I knew he had my back through it all. And so to hear him say, all right, you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm not disappointed at you. I'm here to help you get through whatever it is and so from that point on I just started kind of attacking life and so I started you know digging into school I started working really hard and then I started training really hard because after my very first Spartan race that was so much fun it was sorry can you explain a little bit like Jay said what what, what goes into a Spartan race yeah so miles, all that stuff. it's a, an off-school course race and it varies from you know, a three-mile race, an eight-mile race, a 12-mile race, and then they've got a couple of ultras and those 100-plus ones that Jason likes to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but essentially, there's about 20 – it ranges between, like, 25 and, like, 35 obstacles in the race. Okay. And it's not – you're not on a road. They take you out to this venue, and a lot of times it's on trails. You're bushwhacking. You're running off trails. And you're climbing obstacles. You're carrying buckets of rocks, carrying sandbags, flipping tires – climbing over stuff, traversing things, uh, hanging on stuff. So you're, it's kind of like a 
big ass playground for adults, what I call it, like a boot camp almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no doubt. Very yeah. similar mm-hmm. to that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I went into the whole sport thinking, like, all right, you know, I used to get first place in all these little duathlons in my backyard. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kick everyone's ass. You know, I'm an athlete. Yeah. I got my butt handed to me. How, what distance did you do for the first the one? The first one was about eight miles. Ooh. And I've never run eight miles in my life. All right. <laughs> That's bold. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're going to get a bear, get a grizzly. Hey, I guess so. And so there's a couple of waves at first. So there's like an elite wave, there's a competitive wave, and there's an open wave. Uh, I didn't know that like what I signed up for, but I signed up for the competitive one and ended up getting like 215th out of like 600. And that wasn't even counting the elite people though. Oh, okay. And so a lot of people were a lot better than me, but then he discovered science. Then I discovered science. Did you get worried when you first stepped up to the starting line? Did you look around? It's like, Oh, you know what? This might be different than I thought. No, not at all. I, I had three friends from work that were doing it with me and, I knew, I was like, I'm going to beat all of them. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care what. And, like, yeah. my friend Tabby did, like, marathons and all that. My buddy Chris was just, like, a really fit dude. And I was like, I don't care. I'm beating all of them. Crushing all you guys. Exactly. And so I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's but awesome. But I just remember I had so much fun. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that was something that I wanted to really dive into. And so after that one, I immediately signed up for that guy. They have like a three pack where you can do like a short one, a medium one, and the long one. Okay. I signed up for that one for 2017 and started, I asked Jason, because he's been running for a long time. I was like, can you kind of yeah. help me get ready for these? I just feel like this is something that I might want to do. And so he started writing me training programs and I would follow those. And I found myself getting better and better and better. And I was getting a lot more fit. I was working out all the time, running all the time. And I saw like my attitude and my whole mindset, you know, start to uplift, uprise, you mm-hmm. know, lift up. I don't know what sure. word to say for that. Yeah. All this um, work. Just like training for these. And I just saw my life start to get better and better and better and better. Just one day at a time, um, just doing the right thing. No, that's huge. And I think it's important because it's, you know, it's, there's one thing to get your mind right, but mm-hmm. if your body's not in tune with that as well, like those, the whole, your whole body kind of works together, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to get in shape. You've got to get your mind right. You've got to be thinking right. And I think all those things play, play a huge part. I think for me, I, I was watching him from a, a little bit of a distance where he was training. I was seeing the, the physical transformation happening and he yeah. would send me screenshots of his heart rate and the distance he was going and the topography of the terrain and you know, we started working on zone three, zone four, stuff that like becomes science, nutrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. How's he gonna go in and fuel during the race? But for me, when I would see him, we'd meet up for breakfast, or we'd meet for lunch, and to watch this diamond sparkle in his eyes, like he had found it yeah. and he was in it. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah. told me that he was going into an elite category and I went out and watched one of his races and I was just, I was like so impressed by yeah. who he was competing against, but literally waiting at the finish line and shocked because I'm counting the numbers of guys that elite that had come in before him and he's placing super high up, you know, single digit finishes, wow. top 10 finishes. And I'm going, this is it. He can do this as long as he wants. For sure. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's really, it's become more than competition where now it's that he has a brand, he's recognized, he's known. And for him to then be asked by that Spartan live to tell his story, that was a big step. He won't tell you that, but I'll tell you that mm-hmm. because that was the first time he said, okay, I've got I've to do business with my internal character and decide, am I going to fly under the radar or am I going to go public with this? And for him to go public 
I think he wasn't, I, I'm speaking for me, but I, I don't want to speak for him. I think personally he was surprised by the massive amounts of positive feedback that he got. Definitely was. I was really nervous about it because I didn't want to be seen as the guy that was just like this total F up and he's getting recognized for it and doing these races. Hmm. Um, and that's not at all what I've, the feedback that I've got from. I think the feedback that. was from his authenticity. Yeah. I think oh, he could have been a, a chubby guy in the open division, right. but had he told his story, people would have, when you're vulnerable with people and you have an authentic, an authenticity to admit to failure and to struggle right. that resonates with the human soul. So Absolutely. when this goes out on Spartan Live and it's being virally passed and rebroadcast and retweeted and re-Instagrammed or whatever they do, mm -hmm. and yep. then people read that, they're like, I can identify with that. I may never be the elite guy. Oh, yeah. I'm the chubby guy in the open division, but man, and now I, I now I literally, I follow Spartan because I want to follow him, right. but I, I'm now seeing story after story of people mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they, they came out of war and they, their mind was jacked right. up and they found Spartan or they, they um, you know, they were super overweight and they started doing a weight program and now they're competing in the open division with a goal of just to finish. And what's amazing about Spartan is they celebrate that guy who gets the finish yep. just as much as they celebrate the top 10 guys or the guys who podium. To me, man, they, they put on a race to, you know, make money and have a business, but they don't understand sure. they've created an incubator of hope. And they change lives. Absolutely. And I'm sure, so I know like I follow, I follow you on Instagram. I follow the Spartan stuff a little bit and it seems like it's just a, a really tight community. And has that helped you on your journey towards, you know, stay with the sobriety and, and it, stick with it? It definitely has. I've met a lot of people that are also sober in the sport. And I've also met a lot of just genuine, real great people yeah. that are very supportive. And that's another thing that I love about this sport is that everybody is just uplifting. And that's awesome. They've all just had positive things to say about me and my story. And they continue to encourage me to do my best and to go out there and win. That's so awesome. I absolutely love that OCR community. How, how quick was the feedback once that article was posted? Did you About start seven minutes, seven it, minutes? <laughs> it was pretty quick. Um, yeah. I started to get people reaching out to me on Instagram, some on Facebook, telling me their story and kind of how similar it was to me and that they're sober. And then that was really eye opening and very heart touching to me. That's to cool. See that other people are in my shoes and that I was able right. to kind of show them that they can also, you know, change their lives for the better and they can also, you know, become an elite athlete and that, you know, it's not just a miracle, that yeah. it's actually doable. That's awesome. And I imagine that that kind of helps kind of fuel the fire too when you see that, okay, my story is really helping people. It that does. just inspires you to keep going and keep it, going. It does really help inspire me to, you know, stay sober, obviously, you know, the accountability, you know. I feel like I now owe it to society and you know everyone that kind of looks at me for an inspiration to, you know to do the right thing uh to stay sober to stay committed to being sober and you know just to be a good person to help them that's awesome so is your is your goal to become so what level are you at right now so i'm running in the elite nice when i back in 2017 after 2017 i made a goal to become a, a spartan race pro team athlete so and, now what does that mean um now, I'm not really sure what it means. You get free races, you get some cool gear. 
I think that's, that's nice. about it. That's worth it I'm though. Not, right, that's it's definitely it, worth it. It's just it sounds cool. It does, but for me, it's just reaching that goal. I don't care what comes with it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, free racing would be awesome. For I told sure. him, dude, that new show came out, Mirror, uh, Million Dollar Mile, Mile, LeBron James. Oh show. Yeah, 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 I just watched that. I saw the first like. So preview. I race all those guys. I, I, I saw really? the, I saw the preview of it, right? I texted him. I'm like, dude, you got to sign up for this because yeah. he wouldn't be the guy being chased. No, no, <laughs> no. He'd no, be no. chasing people. Right. And I just saw that. I'm like, oh, my God, Nick, this is this was written for you that you got to go sign up for this. And about four or five days passed because I think he was in Boulder training or something. He's like four or five days passed. I go, I guess he doesn't want to do it. And then he's like, hey, bro, just seeing this, I'm going to try out. Or, you know, I yeah, think yeah, I'm going to yeah. sign up. Well, you know what I thought of when I first when we first knew that we were going to have you on the podcast? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull yeah, Challenge. School? You got to do that. That'd be dope. Yeah. Have you seen it? Mm hmm. Yeah, that would be that. This is the the whole lead up to the, like the final obstacle course, like the battle against another Pearson. I, I man, the the mile, million dollar mile, that's cool. But I think the broken skull challenge would be better. <laughs> I don't know if they're still doing that. They actually. may not, but if, they, if they're out there, do it again. Here's I got the bottom to train line. with it's the like, reigning champ. Oh really? Mm -hmm. That's cool. I got cool. to train with him a couple times out in Colorado. I just know that it doesn't matter. Yeah. What yeah. he puts his mind to. Whatever it is. Because he's overcome yeah. this, he can overcome anything. Right. Right. That's huge. So well, I guess what's next for you as far as the, the Spartan racing? As far as Spartan, so this year um, I want to be the best. Um, I'm getting a hell of a lot better as an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, I want to compete in Tahoe for the world championship, um, try to make the Spartan pro team for next year, and then just kind of see what happens with the sport from there. I'm just having so much fun doing what I'm doing right now. I keep saying, just send me the screenshots of your heart rate. I want to see yeah. what pace mile you're doing and what's your heart rate beating at. Yep. It all comes down to science. Science. What are you going to do, Jay? So anyways, I want to yeah, just yeah. thank Nick for being a guest here. <laughs> yeah, I do have a couple tricks up my sleeve. I mentioned them to you before we started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the reports of my demise have been greatly yeah. exaggerated. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> have you tried to get him into it? Have I? Oh, the day your dad raced at that one, you're like, oh, your yeah. dad did it? My dad does it now, too. Oh, so oh he's, he does it. It wasn't just like a one-time thing. Oh, no, he's been, yeah. So he's done, what, three, four, four of them already? He okay. gets all of his friends, and they go out and have a good time doing it. But old Johnny O and Nico, there, the day, the moment after the race, they were just all up on me, like, dude, dude, dude. And I'm just like, you know, because if I commit, yeah, yeah you're going to do it. Yeah, right, right. And I'm like, I got a couple more little things I got to check off. I got, yeah. I, I got a couple things I need to redeem. I have a, sure. in my whole life, I have one DNF, did not finish, and I want to get that off my back. I so gotcha. let's just put in the record book that Jason said he will do one after all that gets checked off. Yeah, that would sound like a commitment to me. That sounds like a commitment. You know, man, I'll, I'll cut that sound bite and I'll send it to you. So anytime Perfect. he says, no, I didn't say that, then you have it. Yes. That work? And that's the last time I get to record in here. We got you. <laughs> so I got to ask. You know, I do have an invoice for you today. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Spoke too soon. No. <laughs> So I, I, let me ask you this. Is your dad wired the same way? So like yes. when it comes to the racing mentality, competitiveness, all that stuff? He's definitely, yeah, I got my competitiveness from my dad. Okay, cool. So they probably see the O'Sullivan's come out there. It's like, oh, it's going to be a rough day for everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> well, hey, man, we, uh, we appreciate you being on here. And we've been, uh, lately we've been trying to, to give our guests one last opportunity to um, give some final thoughts or your one last final thought to any coaches, any athletes that are listening. So... Um, it's a lot of pressure. It's kind of just a general wide open question or uh, idea, but do you have any final thoughts for everybody and where can they find you? Um, final thoughts for me is as a coach, you know, be open, be real. There's, you never know what's going on in an athlete's life and yeah. times are changing. I mean, 
with all the technology and accessibility to everything that you know we have nowadays um it's just like it's a whole nother world and we're going through people are going like the kids now are going through a lot of, and so you know just be open to them um and just accept them for who they are what they are and what they do and just try to help them get through whatever it is that they're going through without any judgment um yeah i just say Love this it. too as you wrap um, yeah you know publicly i've said it a bunch privately to him but i'm just very proud of you nick um, you know, your, your potential is completely untapped still, and you've beat the odds because statistically they would tell us that you're not supposed to be where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just think that that's a testament of your own fortitude, your own resilience and tenacity. And, um, I don't mean it as a cliche, but I believe that your best days are still ahead of you mm-hmm. and, uh, in Spartan, in, in, in employment, in your in your business ventures. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really proud of you. So keep grinding. I will. I love it, man. Uh, where, where are they going to find you, dude? Yeah, where are they going to find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, at uh, Nick O'Sully. All one word, Nick O'Sully. Okay. That would be O-S-U-L-L-Y. Boom, there you go. And I, one question, and we can cut this out if we need to. Uh, Stem Your Tide, is that is that your company? It is, yeah. Okay. So I kind of started a clothing brand that kind of goes with my message and what I'm doing. Um, stem it's from stem the tide I changed it to stem your tide um, it's that if you're faced with any obstacle challenge problem in life the only way to get through it is to face it head-on mm, and I, I like feel that. like that's what I've been doing the past couple of years since the accident and it seems appropriate yeah it's worked really well for me love it man so make sure you follow Nick at both at both places Jay anywhere they can follow you uh, you can find me at, at Nick O'Sully boom there we go <laughs> uh, you can find us at uh, at sports character on Twitter, character combine on Instagram, character combine on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, reach out to us and make sure you subscribe, listen and down, uh, excuse me, subscribe, listen and review the podcast on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Nick, man, we appreciate your time and, uh, good luck with all the rest of your races. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah.